We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Unlike the Cavs last night. Are yeah, we doing not it? great. Are we doing it? Are we starting to panic now? Oh, do we, are we at the panic meter? We'll, we'll get to the Cavs panic meter in a bit, and it's the hype panic scale which I'm going to have to remember how to say that every single time. Are we going to do this now where every win they're going to go to the NBA Finals and every loss that they're going to suck? Is that, is that what we're doing? I mean, probably. Because I, I, I've been wondering when this was going to happen. And listen, last night was a god-awful loss. You should have won that game. Um, with the way you played in the second half, you should have won that game. No question. So I totally get the frustration about the loss itself. I, it's funny because everybody's talking about uh, Bickerstaff's rotations today. You know what's most concerning to me? What's that? What is the final two-minute offense? Because all I really see here recently is Donovan Mitchell brings the ball up the court, he gets into ISO, and he tries to drive to the lane. I don't see it's, a drive and it, kick. It, there, there's not a whole lot of rhythm to this offense, um, especially in crucial moments. And I got to say, you know, I, I was, um, you know, last night I have my Tuesday night tennis league. And so I'm listening to, to the guys on the, the broadcast. So I'm driving home and that review, it no joke, like took about 10 minutes. Uh-huh. It felt like maybe it wasn't that long. Maybe it was five. I don't know. But like the ball clearly didn't hit the rim and it wasn't a rim pin or whatever <laughs> they called it on the broadcast. And during that time, I'm thinking, man, it's a free timeout. Like, okay, we got 15. And then they give an extra second, mm-hmm. 15.5. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to draw something up. And then it was, no, just another isolation for Donovan. And there was actually a moment of hope because as they were kind of wrapping up the this 55-minute dialogue on what to call, whether the damn thing hit the rim or not, which, yes. by the way, <clears throat> if, if it takes you longer than three minutes to look at that and go, nope, it didn't, <laughs> all right, let's put a second on, you should probably not be refereeing in the NBA. Right. Like, that's an IQ test if I've ever seen one. Like, but, it was the easiest call ever. But at the end of that, with about 60 seconds left in this charade, do you know what I saw? I saw JB actually gather his guys, and I was like, oh, he's doing it. He's coaching he's, them up. He's, he's, got, he's, got a, he's got a play. It took him nine minutes, but he's got a play. And then they rolled that out there. And, and JB after the game was like, well, we wanted to get him one-on-one with Julius Randle. Okay. All right. Uh, did you want to get the second defender behind Julius Randle? Because uh, if your whole plan is we're going to go Donovan Mitchell on Julius Randle, iso ball at the end of the game, maybe that's not a real well, plan. And, and also, if you're going to go like iso ball, how about have some some players on the floor that can like stretch the floor? And it's, give, give a threat of uh, a three-point shot? And it's funny because there seems to be this all-or-nothing conversation going on. You either have to want J.B. Bickerstaff fired already or J.B. Bickerstaff needs ultimate security and why the hell are we even talking about that? And I'm like, this is kind of when we should start having the conversation. Is J.B. evolving with this group? Because at the end of games, and specifically whether it's end-of-game offense or 
Uh, what was the other? What was the loss we just talked about with basically the same thing? Darius Garland brings the ball down the court. You could have called a timeout, three different plays, and drawn up something inbounds. That was the do 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 not the Warriors game, was it? No, it was before that. Um, Life is a flat circle. Yeah, I've not been on air for five days. Please forgive me. It's 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 all because I I just was out bare ass nude smoking burnt ends this weekend. I can't do better. Man. I will do better, but. That game, if JB just calls an inbounds play and you got you have guys just moving, all of a sudden oh, you no, actually... Oh, that was the game when they got the five-second violation. Yes. And you had a timeout, which you never use, by the way. But it feels like this felt like the sequel to that. A moment where JB Bickerstaff, if he handles it just a little differently, maybe you get the dub. The dub that you probably should have had. This is the place to track the ups and downs of the Cavs season. This is the Cavs Hype Panic Scale. We are all gonna die! Nick and Dustin back in the fan. It's that time with a brutal loss to the Knicks last night. It's time to finally. We, we, we did this the first time, I think, in November. Yeah, but you got to explain it better because I still don't understand how to grade this. All right, that's a great point. And also, that's probably not the way that I'm gifted to explain this bit better, but... At this point, let's just start with, are you leaning more towards hype or panic with where the Cavs are at? X amount of days. What is that? 10 games into January. Uh, panic. Why? Because I don't know which team's going to show up. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, we now have questions about the coach. Mm-hmm. We don't know the status of Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. for the next God knows how long. I mean, he probably came back from the groin injury too soon. And maybe re-aggravated it last night. I hope it's that's not the case. Um, they're inconsistent. They, you know, Mobley this season I, I thought would take a much bigger jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, granted, he had 38 points the other night, which was great. Um, that wasn't an anomaly. Let's let's agree upon that. Um, you know, I I don't know. It's just I, I don't know that the team. I mean, the team got off to such a great start. Mm-hmm. You know, and red hot. And maybe that created such expectations for us, such high expectations for us that were maybe unfair for a team in year two with most of your stars under the age of 25 years old. Um, but, I mean, the Knicks are without one of their best players. They'd lost four in a row. And, yeah, well, n- not only that, I mean, you lost to the Warriors by a, a, almost double digits as a 10-point favorite on Friday night. So, I, I, I don't I just don't feel really confident in this team right now. So I think it's, everything you said is fair. I just am not at a point to panic. The only thing that might make me panic is if this comes out that Donovan's injury is going to cost him a couple weeks. That that would that would seriously make me reevaluate where I'm at with the Cavs hype panic scale. I'm I'm just telling you, and I don't know the severity of of that groin injury, but I've had a pulled groin a couple times, mm-hmm. and it's minimum. If it's any sort of significant, like even if it's like a grade one, mm-hmm. which is like one of the lowest le- or the the lowest level, right? It's two weeks. Yeah, I think. You, and you got to do nothing. You got to rest it and you got to ice it. You got to just chill. I think if you're missing him for two to three weeks, it really does put a strain on your ability to keep pace with the rest of the Eastern Conference. Right now, I think you're the fifth seed. You're six games back off the, the first seed. So like, okay, those are... Those, 
I can un- I can talk myself into being a little bit more panicked about this. What I would also say is that I think at the same time, I still think you have the talent you need to to compete in the stretch of games. Right? Like your next two games are Houston and OKC. Now those are road games. Yeah. Those are those should be two wins. You should have 31 wins by the time you come back on Sunday Ooh. for the game against the Clippers. I would also say like I think I think Evan Mobley is ridiculous on the defensive end this year. And I think if you look at what he's done on the court, like even in losses, this guy is is one of the best big defenders, and not just big defenders. Like when you've taken Jared Allen out, Evan takes on double the role, and it changes the way they play defense, and I still think he's really, really good. Now, could he be more assertive? Oh, I think assertive? he's really, really good too. I, I just think maybe – just maybe we put too much on his plate and mm-hmm. the expectations after last year were and this is prior to to the Cavaliers even thinking about getting Donovan Mitchell on the roster everyone kept saying hey this the star of this team's going to be Evan Mobley they're going to build around Mobley well yeah but i've always felt like that was going to be a multi-year process i think anybody expecting Evan Mobley to be the best player on this team this year i thought was i, I thought was being way too ambitious I think it's much more likely that Evan is the best player on this team two years from now. And by the way, those same people are the people who 40 games into the season walked back on Mobley and said, well, maybe he'll never be Kevin Durant. How about you let it play out? I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about like there's this ridiculous thing we do in the NBA. And the reality is Evan Mobley isn't where people wanted him to be versus where Donovan Mitchell is. If Donovan wasn't here, if it was still Darius and Evan and and Jared Allen, and he was still playing roughly the same way, we'd be like, well, he's not where he needs to be yet, but you have time. And I think this this Donovan Mitchell move has made us all crazy because we got to be championship contenders yeah, now. We got a guy that scored seventy one points this year. No, he's great. I'm not. I, well, but I think the <laughs> no. Point I'm, is, I'm, that's what I'm saying is I think the expectations have have gone up significantly, and they can still come to fruition, like. Is it is it beyond the bounds of possibility that Evan Mobley has a great second half of the season? Like, I actually thought last night was the anomaly. Evan was not as good offensively as he had been in, like, the previous six games. Everybody mentions the 30-plus the point night. He had had, like, 18, 18, 17. Like, he had, like, six or seven games in a row where he had kind of started to be a little bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. So I thought last night was the anomaly in this stretch of games from him offensively. And I just, I haven't seen enough to change my expectation, not even in the last couple of weeks here, that the Cavs are going to be one of the six best teams in the East. This this next stretch, if Donovan has to miss time, yeah, all of a sudden you're going to be digging yourself a hole that that maybe <laughs> that that maybe you you might not be able to get out of. But that's a might not. I think the Cavs are right where they need to be, and I still believe. Like, what was it? Eight games ago, nine games ago, when you and I were talking at the end, end of December, I said, yeah. I think the Cavs are probably going to be a better second-half team than they were a first-half team because those first 50 games afford you the ability to learn how to play together. And it might result in a more uh, aggressive Evan Mobley. It might result in Darius and Donovan. And you know what? I'll, I'll say, it's J.B. Bickerstaff's job just, just while we're, because I'm gonna, if I'm sounding like the apologist. I, I do have a criticism to levy here. It is JB Bickerstaff's job to figure out the end of game offense. 
because that's two games now. The Memphis game, which they damn sure should have won, that was bleeped away with bad clock management or bad end-of-game offensive play calling, whatever you want to call it, and then this game. Those are two games that if JB had stepped in and said, here's the play that we're going to run, or I'm going to call this timeout, we're going to do inbound play against Memphis, and the, the whole goal is to get Darius Garland the shot off some action, that's different than Darius Garland brings the ball up the court and tries to make it happen himself. Like the lineups, too, that I, I have to question, and I, I don't know why he just wants to play Rubio and Kevin Love together so much. I mean, Rubio, it was nice to see him come back, but he's he, he's not been good since, he, since he's been back, let's be honest. Kevin Love played 12 minutes last night. His plus-minus was negative 20. Mm-hmm. Rubio played 13 minutes. His plus-minus was negative 26. Mm-hmm. We got to figure out the bench. Yeah, and I don't think JB's done a good job of of figuring out the bench minus Rubio all season long. Um, and you know what? While we're at it, I think Kevin is showing us that Kevin could be a really attractive trade ship. I know nobody wants to have that conversation because we love Kevin. And whenever Kevin has a great game, we go hog wild. And this is why you have him here. I love Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. All right? I love that his arc has come back to where if he were traded tomorrow, we would all look at that and go, damn, I wish he could have been here. I think this is who he is, I think, especially on this team. But I'll say this, because the, the three big criticisms I have are end-of-game approach, that falls on JB. Um, some offensive stuff that I think we get bogged down with with, with a lack of ball Yeah, movement. I mean, there's a lot of hero ball. Yeah. with And, and look, We've got ball dominant guards. Mm-hmm. You've got Garland and you got Mitchell, two guys that can get a bucket whenever they need to, basically. But sometimes in those crucial moments, it comes comes to kind of haunt you. And it's and to me, it's on JB to figure that out. Uh, Daniel on Twitter, Twitter reactions brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daniel saying, on a scale of one to ten, I'm at a 15 panic level for the Cavs. They're headed right back to the play-in games if Bickerstaff remains the coach. I'm not there yet with JB, but 50 games in, I do have more uh, concerns about him than I did 50 games ago. That, and by the way, I think that was always going to be the case. As as much as the next 30 games are an opportunity for Mobley and Garland and Mitchell and Allen to grow together, yeah, it's an opportunity for JB Bickerstaff to prove he's the right head coach for this team. Yeah, and I'm not putting him on the hot seat right now. I don't think he should be fired by any stretch. But at the end of the season, if things don't improve, I, I think people will, will want to have that conversation. Yes, and I and I think it's easier to have the conversation in real time, which is what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. than waking up in March and saying the Cavs are the seventh seed, fire J.B. Bickerstaff. Right. I, I, think, I think sometimes, I think if we do that, I think that's a little bit more reactionary and a little less fair to the head coach. He's got 30 games. This is the season. You've got a season to show us that you're the right guy. Yep. Because after this year, guys, if you think if you think last night's loss was excruciating or the Memphis loss was excruciating, wait until that clock starts to tick on Donovan Mitchell. We're in this is the love bubble. We're <laughs> in the love bubble right now. When you get out of that love bubble, we learned this with LeBron 2.0. Yep. When you're out of that, there's no getting back in the love bubble. I've said that a lot in about two minutes here. Two one six five seven eight double nine two. It's the love bubble. No, love boat. No, I, I didn't have as much of a voice as I wanted there. I'm still coming back from uh, cooking those burnt ends, buck ass naked on Sunday 
in Manaway when it was snowing and 20 degrees outside. Um, are it's you guys? It's just clean? a mindset. It's it's just you just got it, right, Keith? All right, it's all in your mind. It's yep. all in your mind. It's all in your it's mind. Not really that cold outside? It's not. Come on now. Just don't be a baby. That's what I would say. Just don't think about it. Don't even think about it. Uh, are you guys leaning more towards hype or panic with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Let's go with Steve. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hey, I, I appreciate you guys dress addressing this like reality based. It's not about fire, JB, but. I really do have questions about him going back to the play-in game. He can see something happening and then sit down after the game and tell you exactly what happened, but you do nothing to stop it. And just, I'm going to say this, they shouldn't rush Mitchell back. If he's injured, that's fine. Let him sit down and let's get Mobley more ingrained to step up and be that third option as a scorer when Mitchell was out there and that second option when he's not. I mean, it's not, it's not brain surgery out there, but I'm just going to say this. I don't think JB will be the coach when it's time for them to take the next step toward a championship. I think the problem is, and I, and I appreciate the call, it's so tough to find that next coach. Like, oh, yeah. And, and I'm not here to tell you, by the way, that like like the, the Ty Lue thing, David Blatt was such the wrong coach that it was apparent who the right coach was. Very. But you know what? I'll say this. Mark Jackson. When Mark Jackson got fired in uh, in Oakland, it was not apparent that Steve Kerr was the right guy. Steve Kerr had not been an NBA head coach. He had been, I think, the GM of the, the Suns for a couple of years. That was a huge risk. They got lucky. They got lucky that Steve Kerr is as good of a basketball mind and as good at dealing with people as he is. So when we, whenever we do get around to the conversation of, uh, is JB the right guy? I do need a door number two. I'm going to need somebody to look at that and go, like, if it's just, well, you you, you fire J.B. Bickerstaff so you can hire uh, Steven Silas that, or David Fisdale, okay, I'm going to need a little bit better. Take that for Is he for still down. the hot candidate? He's still he's always the hot candidate. He coached LeBron once. Somebody should hire him for the fifth time. Uh, no disrespect to David Fisdale. And I, you know what, though? That is another thing I will charge J.B. Bickerstaff with. Evan Mobley proves it night in, night out. What a brilliant young basketball mind he is. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he had some of his best games when Donovan Mitchell was out. We, we've said so many times, well, it's, it's Donovan and Darius. You, th- those two mm-hmm. have got to figure out how to play together. No, it's unlocking all four guys offensively. And if Evan Mobley's only going to be a lob player in this offense, then you're not unlocking that player. And maybe that's getting the kid uh, more involved in the passing game. Maybe that's um, getting more movement going in the offense, which I don't see a lot of, especially late in the game. Maybe, maybe These are all things that we can have. But, yeah, I- I'll believe that J.B. Bickerstaff is the guy when Evan Mobley is fully unlocked because that kid can be that player that we've talked about. Demos, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, all right, so I'm going to take a little uh, different angle here on JB, okay? Like a obtuse, really like a 92-degree angle? What are we doing? Yeah, no, no, no. But, uh, but I'm steering clear of the love bubble, too. But the, the whole the point here is that the, the season is long, okay? We have got different players this year. I'm going <laughs> to liken JB to Terry Francona. Oh. You've got a long year. you got to try to figure out who works with whom. Even your Rubio love question that you had there who who knows at this point he's trying to figure out 
what the best combinations are. And you put your finger on it a second ago is when Garland and, and, uh, and Mitchell are together in a game, Mobley is like the third guy out and they got to figure that out because he is a fantastic young player. So I'm looking at this a little bit more patiently, like JB is trying to figure everything out for the playoff run. And so I guess that puts me in the uh, optimistic camp in terms of where I'm looking at the Cavs here. And I'm not panicking saying get rid of JB or, you know, do we need to go to the next level with coaching? I think he's fine, and I think he's playing it out as a manager of a team should. So that's my take. Demos, we appreciate you, buddy. We're still in the love bubble with Demos there. The love bubble! 216-578-0092. Cavs hype panic scale. Are you leaning closer to hype or closer to panic? Donovan Mitchell did not participate today. Uh, Bickerstaff was not sure yet about his availability for tomorrow. And uh, apparently Bickerstaff didn't call it a groin injury, but said it was soreness in the groin. So it's not an injury. So so what would that be? It's just sore. Okay. Feels like a really weird thing. I don't, I mean, anytime I've got got a a soreness somewhere, I I think I've I've got a sort of an injury. Maybe I've got a sore calf. Yeah. It's I've got an injured calf. Yeah. It's uh, no, it's just, it's just hurting. It's just hurting. It's not an injury. It's just, okay. But if, if it's, if it's hurting, that means it would be hurt. Ergo an injury. Listen, this isn't a JV Bickerstaff uh, issue. Teams do this weird thing with trying to play like a verbal shell game, getting into injuries and stuff like this. It, the only other thing it could be is what if what if Donovan was just trying to sell it at the end of regulation? Like I don't want to be that guy, but if JB's downplaying it, it's either they don't want anyone to know it's really bad, or maybe Donovan was trying to sell it to get the call at the end of regulation. Which he clearly was. Mm-hmm. I'm, and why wouldn't you? Um, I also thought he probably did get fouled. What, are you talking about the Julius Randle? Are you talking about the Hartenstein basically stomping all over him? The stomping all over him? Yeah. 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 Also, what is it with NBA players just changing the way you say their name? It, it's Hartenstein. It's Hartenstein. Like, Steen. Like, what are we doing here? Isaiah, you're not good enough for me to know your name anyways. Why should I have – I already know Why your name. Why should I have to, to change the way I pronounce your name? Do, should you not just take if, – if somebody out there – if I was it's just – It's not Mitch. It's Mitchell. If I was just an average-ass NBA player and people knew my name, I wouldn't want to change it because I already got lucky. Nobody should know who Isaiah Hartenstein is or Steen. Sorry. I've been, I've been kind of grinding my gears on that one. Um, here's another thing. I still am not over – the excessive rest of the Golden State Warriors at the end of last week. And I a lot of people fell into the the lane of protecting the NBA. One of the people who did not is Charles Barkley, who went in on load management and this idea when he was on Sirius XM NBA radio earlier this week. I think Barkley's all over it. And it's been interesting. For a really long time, it was well, it's back-to-backs. We got to we gotta go ahead and completely get rid of back-to-backs, which the NBA has mostly done. The days of, like, two back-to-backs a week are very, very few or far between. So the NBA has mostly capitulated with the idea of easing up the schedule and building more time in for players to recover. And 
And it's not just about load management. It's about the level to which they're doing it and and how much they're doing it. If you just sat, sat Steph, that's one thing. You sat the all of your starters. You, everybody not named Jordan Poole. So, like, it's just gotten to a point where, and I, I, I actually think Steve Kerr gave it away. I think Steve Kerr, that this has all been a big game for the NBA players. And I, and listen, I hate to do this because I want players to play 20 years, right? I, I don't want LeBron to be the unicorn, all right? If, if guys playing day, if Evan Mobley can play for the next 20 years because of a sensible schedule change, let's do it. I love that idea. LaMelo, all these great young players. Because the more... The more guys you have play longer, mm-hmm. the more stars you have in the NBA at any given point. So I love that idea. But Steve Kerr gave it away when he was asked about this uh, on Friday. He's like, well, wouldn't be happening if we had a 72-game se- uh, schedule. Oh, so wait, it's not about the back-to-backs, which they've lessened and not completely eradicated, but certainly lessened to a point where mm-hmm. it was from five years ago. So it's not about the back-to-backs. And what's happening is fans are being held hostage. Individual NBA games are being held hostage so that the players can go ahead and force the NBA into into to shortening the season. Oh, by the way, they're not going to shorten their paychecks. No, and, and that's the point that I agree with, with what Charles is saying is like, if you're making this much money, you got to play. Mm-hmm. You're getting paid to play. If you've got a serious injury, I get it. But like the second that they created the load management thing, mm-hmm. that term that just makes me irk, uh, you knew we had a problem. Well, and it it feels like it feels like the NBA has consistently uh, the players have consistently called the uh, the league's bluff. If we keep if we keep throwing this under the guise of what's good for health and safety of our players, you're not going going to go against it. Because you don't want that bad look. You're the player-friendly league. So we're going to play this optics card. What they didn't realize is, I think fans are as pissed off as they've ever been. Because it wasn't just the Warriors game. There have been, in this last Dude, week... I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, I, I I know Giannis is dealing with something, right? But like, I went to that Bucks game on, on Saturday, mm-hmm. and my tickets were not cheap. Mm-hmm. Because we pay for the season tickets, and they, they you know, they... they uh, Price you price them out by who the opponent is, and I I thought I was going to see Giannis. If I'm sorry, it this happens with gambling, right? You can cash out your bet if you want to for most bets, but if you can cash out a bet on why why can't you get a partial refund on tickets right. when surge pricing clearly happens? Clearly, because because you know it's it's so funny. The one thing you don't do is screw over your fans as a league, right? It, it's why the NFL completely walked away from the huge issues that they had with trying to take a side in any sort of social situation going on because it was no win. And it, in any way they moved, fans felt attacked. Yep. This is that for the NBA. Fans feel attacked. You're, you're price gouging fans and your response can't be well, we gotta we gotta worry about the health and safety of players. Okay, then one guy sits, not the entire friggin' team. Then maybe maybe you start to have like a league wide thing of maybe the second time you go to San Antonio if you're a Western Conference team, or maybe the second time you go to Miami if you're a Eastern Conference team. You're not allowed to sit your starters, your, your stars. Yes, 
maybe they don't sit out both games. Because at some point, it, uh, it is about, affecting how, the game. How about when they're coming to the city once a season? Yep. No, exactly. The that was Steph Golden thing. State, right? Yep. First time, the only time to see Steph was Friday night. Maybe you pick and choose when you're going to sit those guys to that degree. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.